When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. The Zone. If Mary had a little lamb, you can bet she'd talk to her about it. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Good morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report with you this Tuesday morning. Last night, I woke up to thunderstorms here in the Madison area. I had to dodge standing water on my way to the station. But today looks like a very small chance of rain. It'll be in the upper 60s and cloudy. Winds will be up to 15 miles per hour. We'll get more details on last night's storms and today's forecast from our ag meteorologist, Stu Muck. Also in the hour, I talk with the Dairy Business Association's Director of Government Affairs, John Holyvote. He tells us about a new partnership aiming to boost manure digester interest in the state. And there's a deal for dairy farmers to be a part of that conversation. Be sure to stay tuned also for your market update. That crop progress report is out at MidwestFarmReport.com. Our market advisor, John Heinberg of Total Farm Marketing and West Bend, will share how that impacts our grain markets. But first, invasive species is the conversation between UW-Madison professor Brett Shaw and farm assistant Aaron Zimmerman. Thanks for listening along with me as we kick things off this Tuesday morning. Whether it's a lot or a little, we need your rainfall reports. The Rural Mutual Rainfall Report is on. Text your rainfall reports to 877 Farm. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from because every month we'll pick a winner for a digital weather station courtesy Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Text those rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. The Wisconsin Soybean Association works hard to share the voices of Wisconsin soybean growers at the state and national level. And you can become a member at badgerbean.com. Besides a voice in Washington, WSA members receive free seed, discounted event tickets, and products. Not to mention news on the latest in soybean research and technology. And being a member of the Wisconsin Soybean Association also makes you a member of the American Soybean Association. So join today at badgerbean.com and help the Wisconsin Soybean Association go to work for you. As summer winds down and we maybe take that uh, last boat ride when we get out on the water, we see some things that we sometimes don't like. Bob Osel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And those are plants and other invasive species that to get into our streams and our rivers and our lakes that we don't like. But Aaron, there are folks that are trying to do something about it. It's just knowing what to do that seems to be the big issue. Definitely, Bob, trying to get rid of those things that don't really belong. Aaron Zimmerman here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And the one thing Wisconsin is pretty good at is preventing the spread of invasive species. But the UW-Madison put out a survey just a little while ago, and Brett Shaw, associate professor at UW-Madison, had the chance to sit down and talk with me a little bit about it. He shows that even though we're really good at preventing the spread of these species, once we get these species on a shoreline or in a body of water, lots of people don't really know how to handle them or what to do with them. He gets into a little bit of talking about what in, what invasive species means in your bodies of water and what you can do, and that it doesn't necessarily mean a death sentence as long as they're managed correctly. Aquatic invasive species are any non-native species that has the potential 
to establish themselves in a lake and outcompete other native plants so that they actually uh, take over the lake. And in a worst-case scenario, they can provide thick uh, canopies of vegetation, you know, crowd out uh, native plants, affect the wildlife ecology. Now, that does not always happen. In fact, it's not even necessarily the uh, typical way things happen, but that is a concern. And, and there are hundreds and hundreds of lakes in Wisconsin that do have aquatic invasive species, particularly species like Eurasian water milfoil is very common. Uh, starry stonewort is uh, becoming a familiar aquatic invasive species in the state. So uh, the DNR, Extension, and different uh, partners around the state are looking to prevent its further spread uh, of these species. But at the same time, if a lake is established with a new invasive species, we want people to make uh, deliberate decisions that are consistent with their values for protecting the lake that they live on and love. Now, another question, I guess, that goes with that, you know, people might have is, where do they come from? How do they get to where they're at? And how can we make sure that they don't show up from somewhere? The main way that aquatic invasive species spread in Wisconsin is by boaters and anglers who move their boats between bodies of water. So if somebody has an invasive species on their boat, in their live well, on their engine, and they move it from one lake that has an AIS to another one that does not, that species can become established on the new lake. Now let's get into this survey that you talked with people about these invasive species. You mentioned that Wisconsin is pretty good at preventing them from moving around or preventing them from showing up. But what did you find when you talked to the people about managing ones that might already be there or getting rid of problems that they might create? Well, one of the things that we found was that people were pretty familiar. The respondents, which were lakeshore property owners in Wisconsin, were pretty familiar with how to prevent aquatic invasive species, but they were much less familiar with what to do if they were to get one on their lake, either hypothetically or in fact. So people were familiar with prevention steps, but they were not as familiar with how to uh, prevent its spread once it became established on their lake. So we make some recommendations about what people can do to make decisions at a uh, lake level through their lake association or through their neighbors to make decisions that will serve the long-term interests of their lake. Now, if we don't manage these species that show up or, you know, we just ignore them or or don't even, I guess, know they're there. What are some of the problems that can result? And, you know, why is it something that people really need to pay attention to? Well, there's a couple of different reasons. So for one, if any given invasive species takes over relative to native species, uh, it can affect the ecology of the lake. Like native plants are in there to provide habitat for, you know, fish and other aquatic life. But it's also the case that just because something's a non-native species does not necessarily mean that it will become an invasive species, right? So non-native species can become established and live um, and coexist with native species in a way that does not take over the lake. And in fact, that's not uncommon. So while we certainly don't want aquatic invasive species spreading around, people also don't necessarily need to immediately jump to the conclusion that this is a death sentence for the lake, because that's 
often not the case. And there are ways to manage aquatic invasive species that maintain, you know, the recreational value, the ecological value, the property owner's value. So there are ways to mitigate the risk once you get an AIS. Now, let's dig a little bit into, you talked about that people weren't as familiar with how to control, how to prevent more spread within their own lake, or maybe how to just get rid of them as a whole. You know, what are some of the things that people can do if they don't really necessarily know what to do? Well, there's a a variety of common approaches. So one is a manual approach where you might use uh, divers, um, if it's a small area, where you might use scuba divers or people going down and literally going down into the lake bottom and uh, pull them up from the roots so they're actually removed from the system. Um, Many people that live on larger lakes might be familiar with mechanical systems where you have a boat that essentially like mows or rakes the aquatic invasive species out of the lake. That doesn't necessarily get rid of them, but it does reduce their impact on, you know, swimming, boating, fishing, that kind of thing. Uh, People can also use and commonly use a chemical approach with um, herbicides, and this can at least temporarily reduce the amount of aquatic invasive species that are in a lake. And one of the methods that we think lakeshore property owners might consider more is actually monitoring their lake for the aquatic invasive species. So say if an aquatic invasive species is found on your lake, um, it's not necessarily, as I said before, going to take over the entire lake. So if a lake association or citizen scientists monitor the aquatic invasive species, they might find that it's not spreading very fast. And so they can do some um, things like uh, manual, just kind of keep an eye on it, But if it does become bad faster, they can turn to strategies such as using uh, um, herbicides uh, to work. But I think that we want people to consider taking a slower, more methodical approach to the management decisions that they make in order to protect the ecology of the lake that they live on. Now, if people are having a problem with aquatic invasive species, or maybe if they don't even know that they're having this problem, who can they go to with more questions to maybe find out about that specific species that they're dealing with or just other advice of what to really do? So there's a couple of ways you could uh, go about it. One is Wisconsin is fortunate to have a network of aquatic invasive species coordinators in many communities and uh, counties. So they're good folks to talk with. The local uh, DNR contact or the local county land and uh, conservation contact can also be a really valuable source of information. And then a lot of times lake association leaders can often be privy to the latest information on the best ways to manage aquatic invasive species. So there's a variety of different people that lakeshore property owners can turn to if they're concerned about uh, aquatic invasive species in their own lake. There are a variety of options that people have if their lake is to get an aquatic invasive species, and we would just encourage people to you know, work with either their uh, uh, DNR contact or their county land and conservation person to uh, figure out what options are available, what strategies have already been used on their lake, and um, slow down just a little bit so that you can learn more about what's the best strategy to use on your lake moving forward without immediately jumping to strategies that might potentially produce um, unintended consequences, which is harming native plants, which are an important part of the 
Lake Ecology. That was Brett Shaw, Associate Professor at UW-Madison, talking about aquatic invasive species and how they can be managed. If you have any other further questions, you have a lot of resources that you can contact with in the state of Wisconsin, locally and across the state. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Aaron Zimmerman. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. I do solemnly swear federal employee. that I will support and defend. I am a customs and border protection officer. My job is to keep my country Against safe. Install enemies. We work to make the national banking system safe and sound. I am proud to work for America. Go to theyworkforus.org. Odds are you're hiring to free up time, not lose more. With Indeed, you get the platform that delivers four times more hires than all other sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Post a job and say you're hired. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. What have we here? Crackers. At least I think they are. They're in a cellophane wrapper. There are two of them. Crackers always travel in pairs. They snap like crackers. Crumble like them, too. Nine out of ten cracker eaters would give them a positive ID. But these aren't crackers. They're dinner. Jim Krevix for five days straight. There are people like Jim all across Madison. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply people like Jim over $950,000 in food through Dane County's busiest food pantry. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in clothing, shelter, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Spreading farm information and occasionally manure. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Hello, Stephanie Hoff back with our weather update. We've got me- ag meteorologist Stu Muck on with us. Not spreading manure, but spreading those forecast details. Stu, before I jump to you, I want to tell you uh, what our listeners reported through our talk text line. Uh, Kirby by La Crescent, which is on the Minnesota side of La Crosse, reported nine-tenths of uh, inches of rain last night. In the Madison area, nine-tenths of an inch. And then Lee from Ashford in Fond du Lac County got 1.8 inches of rain last night. What can you tell us about the thunderstorms that we saw around Wisconsin? Well, Lee did pretty good in Ashford. Uh, I've got John over near Armstrong in eastern Fond du Lac, and he picked up 1.2 inches. Everybody else, kind of what the rain gauge has been indicating, that cold front crossing through the state, now pulling away from the eastern edge of Wisconsin, brought some rainfall. Well, there were some larger amounts. Where did I see one? Cedar Grove, south of Sheboygan on the uh, Lake Michigan shoreline, an inch and 57 hundredths. Even Portage, an inch and five hundredths. So some pretty fair rains. Not that it's a bad thing. Uh, We can probably use the moisture, maybe not 
perfect with harvest operations still going underway, a lot of corn being dealt with. We don't need to add that mud to the field, but unfortunately, after rain amounts in a three-quarter to one and one-and-a-half inch range, that's going to start to brew up here pretty quick as well. But like I've said, that cold front's pulling away from the eastern part of the state. The radar is indicating scattered showers in Lake Michigan, down into Illinois, further into lower Michigan as well. Still a few sprinkles in far southeast Minnesota. Don't fear that. We're not going to get another wave of rain today or anything like that. In fact, overall during the day, I expect a little more sunshine to break out. The biggest factor now with that cool front to our east is cooler air filtering into Wisconsin. And our temperatures will remain cooler than normal. And not just a quick hitter for today. We stay cooler than normal today, tomorrow, Thursday as well. By the end of the week, another chance of rain may edge in. There's a very small possibility in the east and southern part of Wisconsin that into Thursday morning, there could be a very isolated shower, call it a sprinkle. It's a little more likely later Friday into Friday night that almost any of us could see a little scattered shower. I just don't expect a great deal of rain. You know, sprinkles, maybe a tenth of an inch. But if we've already made mud out in those fields and unfortunately on the roadways, probably going to add to that somewhat just that little quick rain here to wrap up the week. Otherwise, the weekend's still a little bit cooler than normal, but it does dry out. And I expect some warming next week, starting that uh, first full week of autumn next week. Temps could head back to normal or even a bit above, if not by Sunday, certainly on into Monday and Tuesday, that more mild air mass will return. So, Stephanie, I'll have forecast details right after this. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Stephanie Hoff back with Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist this morning. Stu, those chances of showers, while very small, sprinkles, you said, is it enough to make people worry about any disease, you know, causing disease in, in our crops or, or really inhibiting our harvest? Well, I'd sure hope not. I, you know, not going to be that much rain, but it is going to slow down our progress, I'm sure. You know, even if you picked up three quarters of an inch late yesterday, last night, some pretty muddy field conditions are because of that. So we are going to have to be a little more cautious. I think the slowdown may be the the bigger concern. Otherwise, today, what I'm really expecting is partly sunny skies, even more sun in western Wisconsin. And we ought to be in the mid-60s. We could warm to near 68 at La Crosse being our warm spot. Otherwise, a lot of us 65, 66. North winds 5 to 15. Partly cloudy overnight. Down to about 50 with the north winds at 5 to 10. Back with some sun again for Wednesday. Low to mid-60s with the north winds at 5 to 15. Mostly sunny Thursday. That slight chance of a little rain in the east and south early in the day. Otherwise, sunshine, mid-60s again, northwest winds 5 to 15. The small chance of a little rain Friday, Stephanie, but even then, upper 60s, we could see a 70 here or there. So, you know, nothing drastic. We're not talking about freezing temps or anything, but we do have a little cooler spell here for the next couple of days. And it's that time of year for it, right, Stu? Tomorrow is the first day of autumn, so I don't anticipate any more 80-degree days. 
Oh, we'll get those too. Don't worry about that. <laughs> well, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, winds, anything to be concerned about? I saw a note uh, this morning that 15 mile an hour winds. Is that concerning? No, not a big deal. It does help to dry things out. I think that's the best we can see of it. I don't think it's going to, you know, drop any crops over or anything like that, but hopefully help us dry up a little bit. Yeah. I just, I guess you just recommend wear a jacket to the cranberry bog Thursday. That's where I'll be. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it could be a cool start there, too. So be prepared. All right. Thank you so much, Stu. Ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Landscape Envy, that's what you create when you add Kalani Wash decorative stone to your landscape. Choose from our selection of multicolored stones for around trees, shrubs, and under decks. Plus, we offer gravel stone for walkways, driveways, and a base for patio bricks and retaining walls. Visit KalaniTopsoil.com. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome processing plant, Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. And good-looking decorative stone. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. In Disney's The Lion King and in our world, fatherhood plays an important role. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov to learn more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Attorney John Rihala with Clifford and Rihala. When you ride a motorcycle, you can face serious risks from cars around you. It's a fact. Some car drivers don't watch for motorcycles, and they don't see you. Even if they do, some cars don't give bikes the space they need to drive safely. A collision between a motorcycle and a car can be devastating. If this happens to you, we can help. At Clifford & Rihala, we know that motorcycle riders can suffer life-changing injuries in a crash, and we can help you recover the compensation you deserve. If you or someone you care for has been in a motorcycle crash, call Clifford and Rihala for a free consultation. We'll fight to help you receive your maximum recovery. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com.
Jewelry is always the perfect gift for that special someone. You want to go to Goodman's Jewelers, where they have the experience and patience to work with you to find that perfect diamond. Pendant necklace, diamond earrings, engagement ring. It'll be a one of a kind and all yours at Goodman's Jewelers, a couple blocks from the Capitol on State Street. On August 25th, 2021, the Madison Police Department was contacted by a Wisconsin resident living outside of Dane County. The reporting party told MPD that they received a call from a 608 area code. The caller identified himself as a fundraiser working on behalf of MPD collecting money for injured officers. When reporting the incident, the reporting party said they did not provide any money to the caller and that the caller hung up when the reporting party told them they were uncomfortable with the call. MPD is not involved in any telephone-based fundraising efforts and will not attempt to collect funds over the phone for any reason. MPD would like to remind residents to be extremely cautious if providing funds to anyone over the phone. Never provide funds in the form of gift cards and contact your local police department if you're suspicious of a call you have received. If you have any information regarding similar calls, please contact the Madison Police Department at 255-2345. If you wish to remain anonymous, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can receive up to $1,000 in cash rewards for tips that lead to an arrest. This looks like a car. It has tires, headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, We'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Yeah, I'm all in on the Brewers winning a World Series. And I'd want to see the Packers obviously win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. You can say that you at least made four Mm -hmm. and won three with those two great legendary quarterbacks. I think I would even be willing to trade the Bucs championship, and they hadn't won one in 50 years, just to see the Wisconsin Badgers beat Ohio State in a Big Ten championship game. Just a bit. You would trade a Milwaukee Bucks championship for the Badgers to beat Ohio State in a Big Ten championship. I think game? so. Yeah, <laughs> a soul for a soul, Rowdy. Dude, we haven't seen them. We haven't seen them be able to beat Ohio State when it matters in would the Big Ten like, championship game. Would you game. be like Thanos then? You'd like you get all the the power. Dude, and if they, they beat stones, them, then they're rings? most likely going to be a playoff team. What does Thanos get? The power gems? What the hell is it called? What's the what are the gems? Oh, the the stones. Yeah. Um, I think all those movies are kind of lame, so I don't remember. Was it power gems, whatever? No, they're stones. Stones. Would you would you get all the power stones? Snap your finger to exchange the Bucks championship for the Badgers just to beat Ohio State the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, because a Big Ten championship game win. Infinity stones. Thank you. Sorry. A Big Ten championship game win against an Ohio State, if it played out how everyone thought it was going to play out at the beginning of the year, you finally get over your Ohio State hump that you, like, look at, since they they came up with the divisions, when they were legends and leaders, it would always be the Badgers versus Ohio State, and they would lose. Like, almost every single year. Yep. Get over that hump, get a win, because if you did, 
Well, I'm going to anticipate that they did really, really well to make it to the Big Ten championship game. Mm -hmm. Then you beat Ohio State, the powerhouse of the Big Ten, by far the best team in the Big Ten year after year after year. You probably have a playoff spot. So then not only did you get over that hump and won a Big Ten championship, you made the college football playoff. So what, in that movie, Rowdy, I fell asleep And that's four a, teams, not 12 that they're talking about now. I fell asleep during Infinity War twice, and I fell asleep during Endgame like three times. Those movies are pretty boring to me and kind of lame. But, Rowdy, I think, in, I think it's an Endgame. Thanos has asked... But what did it cost you? And he says everything. That could be Infinity War. But what did it cost Rowdy for the Badgers? It would be a Milwaukee Bucks championship. But what did it cost you? A Bucks championship. And I don't think you'd really mind that, would you? No. <laughs> so obviously want the Brewers to win the World Series. That's that's A1 important for me is the Brewers the World Series, right? Yeah, like I'm, over a Super I'm Bowl? glad the Bucks obviously finally won. It was over 50 years. I'm glad that a guy like Giannis gets to win a championship because he's – yeah, Giannis what is it awesome. seems like is an Giannis. overall good guy. Giannis is the man. But, I mean, for me, my personal viewing pleasure, give me a Badgers Big Ten, champion, or a Big Ten championship over Ohio State, over a Bucks title. Now, what happens about – I'm just curious to advance the story. They get to the college football playoffs. Does it matter then what happens to you as long as they have an Ohio State victory in the Big Ten championship? I mean, game? let's just think about this. The, or the Bucks won an NBA championship – and what happened to me the next morning? You, I came in an hour late because my phone didn't get in the charger. It wasn't because I was out partying. It wasn't because I was out doing a bunch of things. It was literally... <laughs> literally, you just your phone died. Yeah, like... You were so excited that they won that you forgot to charge your phone. Yeah, I thought it was plugged in when it wasn't. <laughs> like, that was 100% on me. What did I do? I just... If the Brewers win a World Series or if the Packers win a Super Bowl... You're not coming in at all or the next if, yeah, that's going to be the reason why I don't come in until 7 is because of other things. Chugging champagne. We, we, were, we were celebrating too much. I would come in. I would still come in on time, but I would be like trashed. I'd be like annihilated. I'd still be hammered from the night before. If the Brewers were to win the World Series or the Badgers to to beat Ohio State, sure, or the Packers Super Bowl, I would be partying. I would party for like a week straight. I'd still be out in air, though. I wouldn't show up late. You, you would show up. You would do that. Because you could rub it in everyone's faces. Hell, even 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 if it was a Big Ten championship, like I just said, I'd be way more excited. <laughs> like honestly, I was kind of, and I think a lot of Bucks fans were also doing the same. Because we we obviously sit here, we have our show, we hear a lot of Bill Michaels show afterwards. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people that when they went down, you know, to the Nets or they went and lost a game to the Hawks. A lot of people were freaking out and jumping off the bandwagon. Uh, J.A. Krebs wrote, Rowdy, I would trade the Packers ever winning again for a Brewers World Series. It's an easy decision. And I quote, I would trade the Packers ever winning ever again. (laughs) Because we know your barn smells like money. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. From the Alcivia Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday. The Dairy Business Association is partnering with Wisconsin Biomass Energy Coalition in an effort to make digesters and biomass energy investments more appealing in the state. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. The DBA wants the dairy community to have a seat at the table in planning the future of renewable energy opportunities in Wisconsin. Director of Government Affairs John Holyvote shares more. Dairy Business Association has 
joined with the Wisconsin Biomass Energy Coalition to try to see how we can um, strengthen the digester sector in Wisconsin and also provide more opportunities for farmers who are interested in the technology to, to learn more about it, um, provide a better regulatory environment for people who are either considering putting them in or people who maybe already have them um, to thrive and, and continue to do well with them. Um, and also, we see this technology really growing across the country uh, for a number of different reasons. So uh, we want to make sure that Wisconsin is not left behind, that we're, we stay competitive. Um, and in some ways, we already have some disadvantages to some of our neighboring states. So it's important to come up with basically ways in which uh, we can make sure that people want to continue to use this technology. And uh, especially for our members who already use this technology, that they're they can um, continue to make their investments uh, profitable. Not everyone listening knows what a manure digester is. John, why don't you explain the manure digester and also why is it something that the DBA pushes for? They're a way that folks can use their manure to generate biogas. Um, That biogas can then be used to do a few different things. Some people use it right on site for power generation and, uh, use it to power maybe operations on the farm. Maybe they use it and they sell it to a local utility. Increasingly, we've seen a lot of projects turn towards converting that to renewable natural gas and then um, selling it either directly into a, you know, hooking up directly to a pipeline to with some sort of arrangement or maybe trucking it for its use elsewhere. So uh, that's how the system basically works. We're interested in, in it for a number of reasons. One, we think it provides a potential for a new revenue stream for farmers, but also um, there definitely are um, manure management and environmental benefits that come along with this as well. And this is something that consumers care about too. Are you seeing this interest in, from grocery shoppers? Yeah, there there is an entrance on the part of consumers as well as on the interest of some of our processors because they see that consumer interest Digester technology, particularly with the renewable natural gas tie-in, is one way uh, that dairy can help to lower its carbon footprint, which is of interest both to many farmers, but also to our processors, to our consumers. So um, especially as more and more focus is on uh, climate and the role that farmers can play uh, in helping to reduce the overall uh, our overall carbon emissions, this is one piece of that puzzle. With this partnership with the Wisconsin Biomass Energy Coalition, you guys are waiving that $500 annual membership fee for dairy farmers. The point of this is to get more dairy farmers in the conversation. Absolutely. So, I mean, this group, uh, a lot of the members of it are people who uh, are in the business of selling digesters, in the business of installing digesters, or in other allied businesses. But it's important to get the farming community involved because um, farmers really are the natural customer, even if they're not the natural operator of these, uh, you know, these installations. So we want to try and make sure that the farming community is actively engaged in the process. We look for ways to um, sort of standardize pricing, uh, look for opportunities to develop a more robust and easier to access carbon market, uh, perhaps locally or a multi-state one that competes with the California market. Um, as we go through that process, farmers really need to be engaged um, and we need to hear their feedback. So um, you're absolutely right. The the coalition has waived its 
membership fee for farmers to join. So they're they're looking for farmer participation. Really, it's uh, they don't need your money. They need you to be at the table, giving them feedback, helping them shape policy. And we want to make sure that our members are are part of that group. Um, and for those who are interested in joining, they can certainly reach out to to DBA, but they can also reach out directly to the Biomass Coalition. Um, their website is wi. Uh, biomass.org. All right. How long does this deal go on? I don't think it has a definite end date, um, but uh, the reason to, that there's some urgency behind trying to join is because some of the decision-making process has already begun as far as what the priorities of the group will be, what some of the initiatives are that they're going to be pushing for. So it's time to get involved sort of at the ground level to make sure you can shape the direction of where the discussion goes going forward. Yeah, what does membership, I mean, all entail? When, when, when are the meetings, any upcoming events that people should know about when they join? There are different work groups that look at different aspects of the business. So um, those meet on a periodic basis. Uh, but there's so really farmers can get as involved uh, or as lightly involved as possible. So if that makes sense, there's a lot of, I guess there's, a way to sort of meet your level of interest. If you're someone who wants to attend uh, one of these monthly meetings, I'm sure they'd love to have you on one of their work groups. If you're someone who wants to sort of be supportive and also try and keep better informed, but maybe doesn't have that time to commit, they would also be interested in you doing that as well. That's the word from the Dairy Business Association's Director of Government Affairs, John Holyvote. Dairy farmers interested in being a part of the manure digester and renewable energy conversation can contact the Dairy Business Association or the Wisconsin Biomass Energy Coalition. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. The Wisconsin Soybean Association works hard to share the voices of Wisconsin soybean growers at the state and national level. And you can become a member at badgerbean.com. Besides a voice in Washington, WSA members receive free seed, discounted event tickets, and products. Not to mention news on the latest in soybean research and technology. And being a member of the Wisconsin Soybean Association also makes you a member of the American Soybean Association. So join today at badgerbean.com and help the Wisconsin Soybean Association go to work for you. Whether it's a lot or a little, we need your rainfall reports. The Rural Mutual Rainfall Report is on. Text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from because every month we'll pick a winner for a digital weather station courtesy Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Text those rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. Farm. There's a new way to start your morning while at World Dairy Expo. It's called Tanbark Talks. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, back with your market update. This new session starts at 8 a.m. the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning of Expo. Topics of this year's Tanbark Talks range from dairy adaptability to current egg outlooks. Each session is presented by industry experts from all over the United States. You can download World Dairy Expo's free mobile event app or visit WorldDairyExpo.com for an up-to-date schedule and for more information about each session. Again, World Dairy Expo is at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, September 28th through October 2nd. And now let's take a look at our dairy markets this Tuesday morning. From Chicago, barrel cheese was up 9 at $1.60. The 40-pound black cheese was down 6 and 3 quarters at $1.72 and a half. Double A butter is down one and three quarters at a dollar seventy-seven and a quarter. Currently, October milk is down eight cents at seventeen ten a hundredweight. 
November milk is up eight cents at sixteen ninety four a hundred weight. Corn silage, hay, and winter wheat are getting the most attention right now, with row crop harvest beginning in some areas. The latest USDA crop condition report says 36% of corn was mature two days ahead of the five-year average. 1% of corn is harvested, while more than half of corn silage is harvested, and this is just a week ahead of that five-year average. Corn condition was 75% good to excellent, a percentage point above last week. Meanwhile, soybean harvest is 2% complete. Soybean condition was 73% good to excellent, the same as last week. From Chicago, December corn is sitting at 517, down four and three quarters. November soybeans are down a half at 1262. Wheat is down four and a quarter at 696 and a half. That's your market update. I'm Stephanie Hoff. Don't forget, Total Farm Marketing Advisor John Heinberg is next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection. Summer savings are yours at Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection. Replace your water heater and softener in the same visit and get a $100 discount. We've got you covered 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for all your commercial and residential plumbing services. From installation, repairs, and maintenance to complete sewer and drain cleaning. Visit MononaPFP.com. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection. A name you can trust when service is a must. You're well aware of these gigantic mortgage companies that make it seem as though they can do everything for you rather quickly, when in fact, you end up in a call center where everything is cumbersome and expensive. Learn about our local process at educatedmortgage.com. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the mortgage man. NMLS number 222652. You rarely think about it, and it often goes unnoticed until your basement or building floods. A reliable sump pump can be a lifesaver, preventing flooding by detecting water levels and pumping the water back outside, away from your home or business. If your sump pump isn't functioning, contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. They can replace your existing sump pump, floats, and check valves. They'll even upgrade your current system to include a battery backup system. The battery makes sure your system continues to work in the event of a power outage. Away from home, receive pump activation alerts on your smart device. Enjoy peace of mind and improve the value of your property with an upgraded sump pump from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. You could go to Chicago to hear about the Board of Trade, but isn't it easier to listen to Pam Yonke? This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It is easy to listen to Pam Yonke, and I hope it's easy to listen to me. I'm Stephanie Hoff, back with market advisor John Heinberg of Total Farm Marketing in West Bend. John, we're going to jump right into um, some recent events. The worst one-day sell of service since late October of last year, uh, the big dump in the stock market. Will that carry over into commodities? 
Well, we had a pretty good impact from it, at least on the early part of the session yesterday, and then just kind of going through the news headlines and what's happening over there. There's a large uh, real estate corporation in China. The company is called Evergrande, and uh, they are basically sitting on about $300 billion of debt at this time frame. Uh, put it in comparison, that's basically the entire debt of the country of Portugal uh, in terms of space. Now, they're running into, obviously, financial situation where they possibly could go under or break apart in that regard. And that's just kind of sent shockwaves through all the global markets on the equity side yesterday. We saw stocks move almost 1,000 points lower on the Dow. The futures actually did trade over 1,000 points lower. Did soften back up at the end of the day, at least. And at least this morning, we're getting a little bit of a rebound. But charts kind of fell apart technically. So we'll have to kind of watch what happens there. Plus, you know, the end of September into the first October is a typical window that we see the equity markets just kind of pull back and, you know, kind of set themselves up for the end of the year. So it was a, just kind of falling into the right place, adding there a Chinese uh, holiday. They're, you know, their markets are closed again today. You know, they're out of the export market, at least in terms of buying yesterday. So we'll see what happens with that because of that holiday. But that did shift over into the commodity markets on the start of the day yesterday. Now, the, the soybean market, the hog market, those two are a little more tied to China. China and possible longer-term concerns there. We saw a little bit more pressure as the day went on, but it was good to see the corn market kind of come back and the cattle market come back, at least off those early session lows, and you know show us that maybe there's a little bit of buying support there. So it's something we'll have to wait and see. Can it be a watershed movement and really kind of maybe break some markets down a little bit? Well, you know, that... Not 100% sure, but, you know, in this type of environment where things trade extremely quickly, uh, you know, all we need is a headline here or there, and you can see markets really move. John, just to put a number on that, it's $300 billion that, that Evergrande um, real estate company owes to a number of lenders. That doesn't include the interest that's piling up. But, I mean, why does that matter for the agriculture sector? Well, again, related to the agricultural sector, it doesn't matter. Really not. Okay. And, and re- that's the one question we have to ask ourselves. Does this corporation, you know, does it weaken the Chinese economy? That's the one thing the market is concerned about. If the mar- if the Chinese economy is weakened and if it does see some breakdown, you know, can they buy products? You know, it's as straightforward as that in the commodity sector. A lot of times when we get those days, like yesterday morning, at least on the start of the day, they're called risk-off days. You got a lot of these firms that are sitting on long positions or they got ownership positions and they just want to take, you know, take a little risk off. They move money to the sidelines, they exit positions, and that just seems to send the market tumbling. You know, it may actually turn into, at least in that equity market, a buying opportunity. You know, the market obviously is being pumped together by the, you know, the money that's being put into the economy by the Fed. And, and just helping support the economy in general. Well, that's typically what's happened when we've had sharp pullbacks. So we'll have to watch how things kind of perform. At least in the commodity space, you know, we watch what happens with the U.S. dollar. That did surge a little bit higher yesterday off of that news. You know, again, that just makes U.S. commodities a little more expensive to the world. It's all about demand here. And then when the number one buyer in the world seems to be having a, you know, a bit of a cold, it makes everybody a little bit nervous. Now, John, we'll take a look at what's going on in the field. Those crop progress reports are out. Um, I believe, let's see, 1% of corn is harvested, more than half of corn for silage is harvested, and 2% of soybeans. But what does, har- or that's in Wisconsin, but what does harvest pace look like around the country? 
we're getting to a decent start. We're about 10% harvested. That's a couple percentage points above year ago and a percentage point above averages in that regard. So, well, you know, the weather forecast, uh, you know, we had that rain come through last night, but things look to be drying out and, and staying on the you know, you know normal temperature side. So things should get rolling. Things are drying down extremely quickly. You know, it's just kind of out and about over the weekend here uh, across the southern part of the state. And you can see how fast the crop is maturing, especially, especially on the corn side. You know, we're starting to hear some early yield results and things are coming in a little bit disappointing and that's some of the strength we had in the market last week we got a lot of disease pressure in some regions test weights are a little light the harvest you know in terms of yield numbers are a little light you know so that's something we'll have to watch how that may come out as we move closer and getting this crop determined you know last week or a week or so ago we had the usda you know bring the yield number back up for corn and that put some pressure on the market uh but we'll have to see what happens here now the market last week started pricing the fact that that number may be too high and this yield number could come down a little bit. Beans were just getting rolling there. We're basically about 6% harvested. And again, early yield results are just basically showing some average numbers. Don't really have a whole lot of boots on the ground yet there in terms of what we're seeing for the yield numbers on those soybeans. You know, yields aren't impressing anyone, as you said, but any concerns um, there about diseases? We've got some light rains in the forecast that, you know, could cause some issues there with our with our crops. Yeah, that's been a big concern and a lot of talk that we've heard, at least in some of these early numbers. And typically the poorest corn is the stuff that gets done first. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But we saw a lot of talk about tar spot moving into Indiana, western Illinois. And that's, again, where some of those yields came in very disappointing. Uh, we've seen also some other issues in terms of just because of the heat that we had in June. You know, this crop really shot out in terms of the stock size and there's not a lot of strength in this stock. So a lot of producers are concerned things can tip over very, you know, and lodge very quickly. Uh, that's some of the chatter that we keep hearing. And any wind event or something come through could be a bit of a concern, you know, which could limit some of these bushels that are out there. So there's a lot of pieces that still need to move around here. You know, we still have a tight supply picture overall for both corn and beans. And we'll see how that kind of plays out in the market as we get those numbers further down the road regarding the yield and the harvest this year. Yeah. Not to throw you a curveball, John, but I just read that um, army worms have come in from the south to Michigan, Iowa and Ohio. Any word on their presence in Wisconsin? I haven't seen anything here in terms of Wisconsin. You know, I've seen some of that information that's out there, you know, with that that pest, you know, continuing to be a bit of a problem. You know, obviously it's been a chatter overseas in some of their crops. You know, we'll have, some we'll have to keep an eye on. You know, now we're getting to the harvest window. How much impact are we going to have here at this stage? You know, it's going to get kind of minimized. Uh, but again, there's just a lot of little pieces this year. You, you can't have weather like we had this last summer and expect, you know, a bumper crop that's going to really bust the bins open. There's some tops been taken off in some regions. Some areas are going to be great, but some areas are going to show that impact, you know, based on that hot weather and those dry conditions and just some of that stress that just kind of overall went into this crop this year. And John, just with the last 30 seconds we have here, the cattle market is still struggling. Do you have an update uh, for us on how that's doing, especially after that JBS plant issue? Yeah, we recovered from that very nicely. Yesterday, we saw a hard sell-off again because of the news, and the prices did stabilize and actually try to turn a little bit more positive. So maybe we're getting to a point where the sellers might be starting to reject here a little bit. We'll have to watch, but I'm still pretty cautious. The charts look kind of ugly, and money flow can really move things really quickly like we've seen in the cattle market the last couple of weeks. Yeah, John, thanks so much for being here. This is John Heinberg, Market Advisor for Total Farm Marketing in West Bend. John, what's the best way to reach you? Love to chat with them anytime. Give me a call at 800-334-9779 or shoot me an email at johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. Thanks, John, for capping us off this Tuesday morning.